Hi, Pete here. Welcome to Destiny Online. It's so good to have you connecting. My name's Pete, Pete Anderson, pastor here at Destiny Edinburgh. I, I want to, uh, it's, it's been a very tough week for me and my family as my father uh, just passed away and we had his funeral. And I just want to say, I want to express heartfelt thanks to everyone who sent me messages, whether it be by text or by card or flowers, or whether you've just simply prayed for me and or messaged me on social media. Uh, thank you so much for your love and support. I uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it. My dad was a great man, a great influencer, and his legacy will live on. And actually, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about the importance of your impact and the legacy you leave. And let's just pray and ask God to speak to us and help me to share as we turn to the Bible. Father, thank you so much for each and every person joining today. Thank you. You know their lives. Thank you. You have a plan for them. God, as we turn to the Bible, I thank you that it's your word and you speak through your word. I pray, God, we invite you, every one of us, we invite you. Would you speak into our hearts today in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to talk about um, God's, I guess you could call it God's marketing campaign. How is God's market himself to the world? How does God connect with the world? Uh, before we turn to the Bible verses, let me give you some examples of some really bad marketing campaigns. Uh, this is this is campaigns where they've tried to advertise a product and they've transferred it into a different country and it just hasn't worked very well. So, uh, for example, uh, Parker Pens in Mexico, uh, they marketed their pens and their slogan typically would have been, uh, it won't leak in your pocket and embarrass you. Uh, however, when they translated it, uh, they, they, they misunderstood the Spanish word for embarrass. They thought the Spanish word for embarrass was Embrazar, I think I said that right, which actually translates pregnancy. So their campaign ran in Mexico as it won't leak in your pocket and make you pregnant. <laughs> so bad campaign. And then there was uh, GM Motors, General Motors. They uh, introduced the Chevy Nova into the South American market and they didn't understand that Nova in their, the local language didn't translate very well. It translated, it won't go. <laughs> so they didn't sell very many Chevy Novas in South America. But God has a marketing campaign and you and I are part of it. Let's go to Jesus speaking in the famous Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew chapter 5 and this is what Jesus says to you and to me. It says in uh, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built or a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Isn't it interesting? Jesus tells us that you and I are the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. He's telling you and I that we're influencers. It doesn't say that's what we will be. It doesn't say that's what we will do. It says that's what we are by nature. Just like salt by nature and light by nature affect their environment, so to believers, followers of Jesus, by nature, because their nature is changed by the power of God, by nature, you emanate something of the life of God to the world. 
And it's something that the world so desperately needs. So let's just look at the nature of salt, and then let's look at the nature of light, and see how Jesus meant for us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So first of all, salt. Salt preserves. That's one of the things, the qualities of salt. It is a preservative. Um, In Jesus' day, there were no fridges. Salt was used to preserve meat from going off. And so uh, salt was scattered around raw meat so that it would last longer and not go bad. Meat left by itself turns bad. And it's the same with the world we're living in. Our world is decaying. And God has placed us as followers of Jesus in the world to preserve the world and to stop the decay. You know, if you look back in church history, and that's one of the privileges I've had over the last couple of years is to lecture in church history at our Bible college. And what struck me time and time again is the impact that authentic believers have had on planet Earth in every generation. I mean, literally has transformed the world. Going right back to the early stages of Christianity, you see in the Roman Empire, uh, it, there's, there's a fantastic book uh, it, it, entitled by Rodney Stark, the sociologist Rodney Stark, entitled The Rise of Christianity. And the question is, he answers, is how was it possible that Christianity, the church, not only survived Roman persecution, but amazingly thrived during Roman persecution? And he gave four reasons why they the church thrived during a time of persecution. He said, number one, at time of high immorality, Christians lived a high standard of morality without judgment of others. Number two, at time of high infanticides, when Romans were killing babies, mostly girls, the Christians were collecting these babies and raising them as their own. Number three, at time of high, a time when women are considered property with no rights, Christianity ennobled and dignified womanhood. Christians believed that we were all made in the image of God. And number four, Rodney Stark says, at a time of high plagues, when everyone was running from the cities to get away from the deadly diseases, Christians stayed behind at great personal risk to care for the sick and the dying. The impact of Christianity, even in the toughest of times during the Roman Empire, was such that it literally turned the Roman Empire upside down. And down through church history, you will, have, you will discover that workplace reform and prison reform and the legal system, for example, in the UK, the abolition of slavery, the education system in our country, but actually all over the world was championed by Christianity. Healthcare systems have been birthed by people of faith. Aid organizations birthed by people of faith. Right up until present day, even in the UK in 2015, Uh, the Cinnamon Faith Audit was conducted all around the UK and it discovered that uh, 1.9 million volunteers, Christians, believers in churches, volunteered in 220,000 social action projects around the UK. And this touched and impacted the lives of 47 million people in the UK. That's in 2015. It is the church. You, you You remove the church's influence on the UK, the UK goes bad. It is a huge impact, and well done, believers, every one of you for playing your part. I want to cheer on our Destiny Angels teams. That's our community action wing of the church. You folks have been championing caring for the poor so much, even during this lockdown. During lockdown, we've uh, about 20 or so volunteers in our church have been making sure that food supplies have been going out to those who need it in our city. We've answered over 250 requests for help, and we've provided emergency food parcels, homemade meals helping getting shopping for people and 
phoning people who don't have anyone else to turn to. So well done, you folks. You are the heroes. We cheer you on. But everyone in the church, we, we, we are called, all of us, to make our impact in our society. So how do we make an impact? Well, salt not only preserves, but also salt flavors. Uh, there was a soap advert that showed a man looking intently at his own shadow that had been cast on the path in front of him. And underneath the advert, as he was looking intently at his own shadow, was the slogan, uh, that's the only thing I can't wash out. Very clever. It's the only thing I can't wash out. The shadow we cast with our lives is the only thing we can't wash out. The shadow we cast, the legacy we leave, the impact we have made on the lives of other people. And I have, all of us have stories. All of us have stories of people in our lives who have positively or negatively cast a shadow of influence into our lives. And for some of you, you have stories of a parent figure or a teacher or a, a boss or a friend who literally their influence caused you to become everything that you love about your life. And they caused you to thrive and they cheered you on. But conversely, there are many figures, leaders or parents or spouses who caused devastation in our lives and the shadow of their influence was highly negative and even years on, your life has been negatively affected by it. Our influence can either be positive or negative. So the question I've got is, how can you ensure that you and I are positive influence? This is the people that, that our impact, our legacy is a positive legacy. Well, let's go to the context of what Jesus was saying. So when Jesus is telling us we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world, he said it in a context. The context Jesus was speaking in, it says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2, he went up on a mountainside and sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Jesus was speaking to disciples. He wasn't just saying in general, hey, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. He was saying to disciples. He was saying to people who don't claim to be Christians or you know, have a vague notion that there's a God. He's talking to people who authentically and passionately are following Jesus with their lives. When people authentically and passionately follow Jesus with their lives, you certainly won't be perfect. But I guarantee you, the closer you are to Jesus, the more impact you will have positively on the lives of others. As you have been flavored by the presence of the Lord, you start to positively flavor those around you. It means that you will have a greater impact and a safer impact. Now, the way you impact and touch people's lives is just like salt. Salt can do nothing for the meat unless it's touching the meat. And so also, our proximity to the people in our lives makes the difference. And Jesus modeled this so well. In the Gospels, there are 132 times where it records that Jesus had encounters with people. Um, six of those were in the temple. Four of those were in the synagogues. But 122 of them were on the streets, on the trees, at parties, at weddings. Uh, he went to where people were. Jesus didn't hang around religious buildings waiting for the people of the world to come to him. In fact, let me make it even more radical. God didn't just hang around heaven waiting for us to get to him. He knew we couldn't. God came to us. And when he came to us, he didn't hang around religious buildings. He went out to where people were and he associated with the ordinary people. He touched lives. His proximity to the people is what brought the transformation. 
He was the ideal missionary. Jesus understood that holiness isn't separation from sinners, but it's separation from sin. So he hung out with the drunkards, but he never got drunk. Hung out with the prostitutes, but he never compromised his moral standards. He spent time with corrupt tax officials, but he never once was corrupted in his own affairs. Jesus jumped radically into people's worlds. And if you and I are going to be positive influences, and he calls you to be that, you first of all have to have a proximity, a closeness to Jesus. And then that will cause you to have an influence, a positive influence. And then you have to have a proximity to people who don't yet know Jesus, to ordinary people of this world. As the salt touches the meat, it brings a flavor and it brings a preservation. You need some people in your life you can start loving and showing the love of God to. The next thing that salt does is salt creates thirst. There was a young sales rep. Unfortunately, the big deal had fallen through. And the sales rep was talking to their manager and they said, hey, I guess it goes to show that you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And the sales manager said to the young sales rep, son, take my advice. Your job is not to make him drink. Your job is to make him thirsty. And I think that's really good for us believers. God has called us to cause people to become thirsty. You see, we're in a world where people are spiritually thirsty. Just in the last couple of weeks, I've been highly aware of this. Unbelievable number of conversations I've had with people who aren't yet there with God, but are spiritually seeking. And many, I've talked to friends and family members who have said, oh yeah, I've, I've gone to fortune tellers or I've had the, the tarot card readings. Or friends also who have said, yeah, I've, I had dead relatives contact me and spiritualists involved in my life. People even interested in aliens and supernatural beings. Human beings, maybe your friends are the same, maybe you're watching today and you, you have an intrigue in all these things as well. People are spiritually seeking. But let me just draw your attention to something that's, let me point out the obvious here, but it maybe isn't so obvious. There is a subtle and dangerous and devastating subtlety about the deceptiveness of Satan's activities and demonic activities that manifests itself through the occult, through mediums and spiritualists, and through all sorts of intrigues that are spiritual but don't point you to Jesus. And this is the thing. All of these spiritual activities somehow or another try and satisfy people's spiritual thirst, but every single one of them fail on this count. They never point people to Jesus, who is the light. They never do. They claim to be light, but they never point people to the light. That's the thing. You will never have someone contacting you from the dead through a spiritualist or a medium and say, by the way, you need Jesus. You'll never hear that. They'll give you some sort of comfort. Hey, everything's fine with Uncle Jim, but... They will never tell you you need Jesus. And listen to me, if someone really did contact you from the dead, I can assure you the very first thing they would say is, you got, you need Jesus. Because in, Latin, in, John, sorry, in Luke chapter 16, when the rich man was speaking from the grave, he longed to warn his relatives about them needing God. So the occult will never point people to Jesus. They never, a fortune teller will never say, by the way, you need Jesus. Because they want to satisfy spiritual thirst and spiritual inquiry without ever really pointing you to the ultimate answer. And it blinds people. And so that's a very dangerous thing. But true spirituality, true power of the Holy Spirit will always point people straight to Jesus Christ, who is the light. So the question is, how, how can you and I compete 
in a time when there's so many other gurus and spiritual powerful people out there that people are going to, how can you and I compete? Well, really there's no competition. This is what the Apostle Peter said in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3 verse 6. Peter said to the lame man, uh, and the lame man couldn't walk, he was crippled from birth. Peter said to the lame man, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. Here's what he have, here's what he has. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And Peter, the Bible goes on to say, he reached out, he picked up the lame man by his hand, and the lame man, by a power of God, stood to his feet and was able to walk. He was able to do the thing he never was able to do. He miraculously was able to walk. Peter knew he carried the very presence of God. You, you don't need to prove yourself. You don't need to be some spiritual guru. You are salt. You are light by nature because God himself is in you. You just get to give it away. Uh, Dad, probably like many of you, uh, has been given over the years gift vouchers. <laughs> and Dad opened one drawer. There was a, a drawer full of gift vouchers. So I'm really sorry if you ever gave Dad a gift voucher. I'm not sure he used it. <laughs> okay. So we, we kind of, me and my sister collected these. I wonder if they're still valid. Me and Angie picked up the one, the Dobie's voucher, because we needed a tree. And uh, we took the Dobie's voucher to Dobie's on Friday night. And it was still valid. It was 45 quid on it. Anyway, we managed to get a small maple tree. But the point of the story is this. When I was in Dobie's, there was a guy there who was selling uh, the trees to us. And he, he gave us some really good advice and a very friendly, very helpful sales rep, a guy called Mark. And uh, we got chatting to him. And in the conversation, he started telling us his life story. And in the course of telling us his life story, he said that, yeah, in the last few years, I've had four heart attacks. And I said, seriously? I said, you look really fit and healthy. And he said, I know. He said, I've just turned 60. I've had four heart attacks. Apparently, it's genetics. I've had it through my family line. And I I said to him, hey, listen, could I pray for you and ask that God will enable you never to have a heart attack again and see your 70th and 80th birthday? I said, I'd really appreciate that. So right there in in the maple tree aisle of Dobby's, we held his hands. Me and Angie prayed over this precious man and we asked the Lord in the name of Jesus, to heal him, to strengthen his heart, to take away all the scarring, to open up the clogged arteries, and to enable him to see his 70th and 80th birthday. And after he said, I feel so much better. Thank you so much. Isn't that cool? You know, you don't have to prove yourself, folks. Just have the boldness. You know, most people won't deny you the opportunity to pray for them. Just get out there. People are actually looking for what you're carrying. You are carrying the answer this world needs Go out and make some people thirsty. Stop keeping your faith to yourself. If you really believe God's that good, why do you keep them to yourself? Come on, get out there and share your faith. Tell people about the Lord who has saved your soul. Pray for people. Share your faith. Don't just do nice things. Do supernaturally nice things. Get out there. Get out of your comfort zone. And let's believe God to do the miracles. Not because we're so great, but because the one who is so great is in us. So salt, there are the different qualities of salt, and, and there are more, but they're the ones I feel that is appropriate for us. And, and then there's light. Jesus said, you're the light of the world, Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stands, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Now you think, okay, is he mixing metaphors here? He's talking about light one minute and he's talking about towns another minute. No, he's not mixing metaphors. He's talking about the same thing. You see, in the ancient world, um, many of the towns and the cities in the, in the area where Jesus was ministering and operating were on hillsides, sometimes for defensive purposes, but also because they were obvious. They were built up on hillsides. And on the hillsides at nighttime, these residential areas would, it would, they would glow. They could be seen for miles around in all the surrounding areas because of all the lights and all the collective lights from all the different houses caused an illumination that could be seen for a long distance. Now, that's a picture of us. He says, you're the light of the world. He said, a city set on a hill or a town set on a hill cannot be hidden. He's saying to us collectively, you see, it wasn't just that you were meant to shine by yourself. It's we together collectively like a city. Our collective lights, all our lights collectively on a hill are to shine. It's a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. You were never meant to do Christianity alone. Some people say, oh, I'm a Christian. I just don't need the church. Uh-uh. Wrong answer, okay? You need the church. You don't have a choice, okay? I know the church ain't perfect, especially this one, okay? But nevertheless, you need the church. And even though we are physically unable to gather these days, and hopefully we'll start some gatherings as, an, as, as, we're, as you'll be hearing about, However, we can still be one. We can still move as one to keep connecting with church, keep growing together. We're still part of this family and that will empower us to shine collectively in our city and in our reason, in, a, in our region. Here's some things about light. First of all, light disperses darkness. What is darkness? Well, the, neg- the, the mega story of the Bible is this, that at the beginning of time, human beings disconnected from God. Like this light, we turned from God and we disconnected. And darkness came into our souls and darkness came on planet Earth. The reason there's darkness on Earth is because we disconnected from God. And when someone dies disconnected from God, they just remain disconnected for all eternity and disappear off into lostness. But God doesn't want us to be disconnected from him. In fact, God did something so remarkable for us that we could be reconnected. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into the world and Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God who is light entered into human existence. When Jesus Christ came into the world, he came for the purpose of rescuing us from the darkness of our souls. And Jesus, who is the light, died on a cross. And in that moment, as he was on the cross, the earth was plunged into darkness as Jesus defeated the darkness by taking the sin of the world upon himself, taking the punishment that you and I deserve rightfully because of our sin, because we turned away from God and because of our darkness. He bore it for us on the cross And Jesus now says to you and I, Jesus who died for us and rose again, says to us now, if you walk with me, if whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, if you turn, if you reconnect to God, if you turn back to God, the light will go on in your soul. You will come alive. You will be everything God intended you to be. Sure, you might be imperfect, but you're reconnected with God. A light's gone on on the inside. That's what it means. So Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
But now he says to followers of Jesus, you're the light of the world. Because as you connect with him, his light starts to shine through you. You're not the source of light. You just get to reflect him who is the source of light. I remember in 1991, I turned, I reconnected with God, and the light came on inside my life. And I pray today, some of you connecting will turn to Jesus and reconnect with God. Let me just say to you, just in case there's something's going on in your soul right now, some of you, you're literally being held by darkness. Demons don't want you to turn back to God. They don't want you to come to the light. So in your head are all sorts of things saying, God will never accept you. You're not good enough. And In one sense, they're right. You're not. But that's the whole point. That's why we need him. He welcomes you. Maybe there's lies in your head saying, no, no, it's not for you. It is for you. God, the creator, is completely for you. Turn to him today. Don't let darkness hold you back any longer. Some people say, well, if there was a God, surely he'd just put a neon sign in the sky and and would tell everyone, come on, Jesus is the way. Well, do you know what? He's done better than that. You, I, as believers, we are the neon sign. A neon sign is an inanimate object. We're human beings created in the very image of God. We're so much better than a neon sign. We are the sign. We, you and I, get to point people to the light. We're not the light. We get to point people to the light. All we, the reason we're the light of the world is because we're reflecting the ultimate light of the world through our lives. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 15, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Notice it says, they put it on a stand. You know, God delivered... Back in that ancient time, there wasn't much oil. So you had to be very careful with... You didn't have lots of lamps in your house. You had one, okay? So you had to place that lamp very strategically so it would give... It was the perfect position in your house to illuminate all the relevant areas in your house because oil was a rare commodity. And in the same way that a house owner would position the lamp, so also God has positioned you. He's put you on a stand. You wonder why you got your job? You wonder why he's placed you in in your community? You wonder why he's placed you in your family? God put you there, put you here, connected you at this time so that you would shine for you are. You are carrying the answer that the people around you so desperately need. The final thing light does is light reveals. It shines a light in the darkness and it, it reveals truth. Albert Einstein, at the end of World War II, wrote to a bishop friend of his and he wanted to talk about the amazing impact of the church in Germany under Nazi rule. And he said this in this letter. He said, being a lover of freedom, I looked to the universities to defend it, knowing that they had always boasted of their devotion to the cause of truth. But no, the universities immediately were silenced. And then I looked to the great editors of the newspapers whose flaming editorials in the days gone by had proclaimed their love of freedom. But they, like the universities, were silenced in a few short weeks. Only the church stood squarely across Hitler's campaign to suppress the truth. He said, I'd never had any special interest for the church before. 
But now I feel a great affection and admiration because the church alone had the courage and persistence to stand for intellectual truth and for moral freedom. I am forced to confess, Albert Einstein said, that that which I once despised, I now praise unreservedly. God has called the church to be a voice, a voice in society, a voice to friends, a voice to communities. Church, don't just be known for what you're against. Sometimes us Christians are known for what they're against. Hey, be known for what you're for. Be known for the truth. Stand up for justice. Be known for the truth. Speak up with your friends. I caught up with a friend last week. Hadn't seen him since I was a teenager. We used to go fishing every weekend together. And last week we decided, hey, let's go fishing again. And we had a great time fishing and we had the most amazing conversations. It's like we hadn't, even though we hadn't seen each other for about 30 years, it's like we just connected, picked up from where we left off, but we had some really deep conversations. And in that, he wouldn't call himself a Christian, but in that conversation, um, I said to him, listen, Andy, his name is, I said, Andy, you know, this is what I believe. I said, God, the creator of the universe, came into human existence, died in a Roman cross for the sin of the world, and on the third day rose again, and by believing in Jesus, you can be saved. I said, it sounds ludicrous. I know, I, I, standing back from it, it sounds ludicrous. And I agree, it's either the craziest news ever, God would become a man and die for his enemies. It's either the craziest news ever, or it is the greatest news you have ever heard. And folks, I just want to say to you, we're carrying the truth. Share your truth, especially with those who don't yet know it. It says in Psalm 119, verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. Also live the message. Demonstrate the love of God to those around you. In the verses we've just read, Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I remember years ago, we just started the church. Uh, I was living at Haymarket. Me and Ange were just married. And it was, a sun, it was a very sunny Saturday afternoon. And I was out cleaning my car in the sunshine. And as I was cleaning the car, two Indian people, an Indian couple, came around the corner towards our block of flats, heavily laden, big rucksack, suitcases. And they came towards our block. And I, I could see they were struggling. So I put my bucket down and my cloth down and went over and said, can I help you with your stuff? And they said, oh, thank you so much. And I helped carry their rucksack and their suitcases. And they moved into the block that I was living in. So I said, oh, wow, we're neighbors. And they were lived right upstairs, top floor. So I helped carry their suitcases all the way upstairs. And they were so grateful. They said to me afterwards, Peter, we've, they said, we've been in the UK for two weeks and no one has shown us kindness until now. Thank you for showing us kindness. And when they learned that I was their neighbor downstairs, they said, I would like to invite you and your wife for a curry. And I said, so I'm always up for that, right? I, I would love to come for a curry. So they invited us for a curry. And a few weeks later, we went for a curry. And boy, oh boy, I have to tell you, what a curry. <laughs> Man, what a curry. We experienced that curry for several days to come. That curry was amazing. But in the middle of the curry night, we, they asked, what, what do I do? And I worked as an architect at the time. I said, I work as an architect. But they said, we also we started a church. We started a church and it starts and it's, it, we had it in our living room, but it's moved into a little primary school. And they said, we would love to come to your church. I said, well, we'd love you to come. A few weeks later, they came to our church, the evening gathering in Tollcross Primary School. We were just only 20 or 30 people at the time. 
and I told them about Jesus in that in that church service. And as I always do, as I will in a moment, I gave an opportunity for anyone who wanted to accept Jesus to pray a prayer. And I'll do that at the end of this in a moment. And um, at the end of the service, she prayed. The lady and the couple prayed, and she accepted Jesus. And afterwards, she said, when I prayed and accepted Jesus as my Savior, she said, I, I don't know what, I, I, I can only describe it like electricity. She said it was like power flowing through my whole body. They were only in Edinburgh for a short time. But this Hindu couple found Jesus. Their life was changed forever. You know, I just demonstrated the love of God. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And sometimes all people are looking for is you just to get out of your comfort zone and to demonstrate some love. Your good works creates goodwill which help people be open to the good news. Let's pray, church. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you, God, you're with us. Jesus, thank you today. You call us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You call us to be those who will make a difference. In a world that's full of lots of competing influences with different motives, God, we get to influence with the purest of motive, not for us, but for you. And I pray, Lord, empower us to be bolder. I pray for believers who are joining me today, followers of Jesus. I pray, empower us all to not be quiet about our faith, but appropriately share our faith with those around us and demonstrate that love of God with good deeds and genuine concern and unconditional love. Help us to flavor, help us to preserve, help us to shine, help us to reveal Jesus. Pray that prayer, folks. Commit yourself to being an influence. Stop keeping your faith to yourself. Commit yourself today, right now. Commit yourself to being an influence. While people are praying, I want to give you an opportunity today. If you're connecting and you are not yet, you know you're not yet connected with God, you've been disconnected from God, but God wants you to connect with Him today so that the spiritual light, the true life of God will come alive on the inside of you. If that's you today and you're saying, Peter, I want that, I want God in my life, then this is your moment. Pray this prayer with me just now one line at a time and pray it from your heart let this be your commitment to God pray with me say dear God thank you for loving me Jesus thank you for dying in my place so that I can be forgiven and have eternal life I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day. Today, I'm asking you to take first place in my heart. I declare Jesus is Lord of my life from now on. Thank you for hearing my prayer. prayed that prayer, I want to tell you the great news is that God has heard your prayer. You have connected with God. You've come alive. You're eternally saved. You're a child of God. Now let us know you've done that. If you're connecting on the platform, let us know you've prayed the prayer. If you're on YouTube or Facebook, let us know you've prayed the prayer. We want to help you take the steps forward in your faith because this is a journey, but you've made one great step. God has heard you. 
God has saved you. God has forgiven you. Welcome to the family of God. Let's go be salt and light, church, for the glory of God.